Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yelston, we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General John McClain. Welcome, welcome to So we'll dig more into that game later this week. But John, let's get into it. Four stock up, four stock down from yesterday's huge win over the Cincinnati Bengals. Devin Singletary we wouldn't be starting if it wasn't for Damian Pierce's injury. I think Texas should have a new starting running back. 30 carries, 150 yards, both career highs. They rushed for 188 yards. Offensive line did its best job of run blocking by far. And I don't know, the Bengals were bad. In, in They were 27th against the run, giving up 129 yards. But Carolina was 31. They only rushed for 110 against the Panthers. Don't you know they'd love to play the Panthers again? Yes, yes. And, and, and so I think Singletary had that six-yard touchdown run. By the way, you mentioned Dalton Schultz. They said in the Metroplex, he can't block. He buried his men on that six-yard run. Hit him, knocked him down, just fell on top of him. It was a great block by Schultz. Noah Brown, he came in here because he's blocking and he's showing he can do more than block. But it was a great play in which Singletary scored the touchdown. They had two rushing touchdowns, and that's rare because they usually don't run the ball well inside the 10, but they did. So Devin Singletary is my first. Yeah, that that's a good one. 30 carries for 150 yards. He was our guest, John. He was our guest on the postgame show yesterday. I tried to get him. I said, on those two third and shorts towards the end of the game, you know, did you want the ball in your hands at that point in the game? You know, you, you, they threw the ball both times. He didn't take the bait, John. He said, of course, every running back wants the ball in their hands, but Coach Slow calls the plays, and then we execute them. So he's a good guy, too. I, I was really hoping I could get something out of him there where he uh, he, he he acted selfish in the moment. He wasn't going to do it. Darn it. The Bills could use him because they can't run the ball, and he's been a starter for three and a half years, and they let him go to the Texans, another great signing by Nick Casario. Let's do another great signing by Nick Casario. <clears throat> I'm going to go to the defensive side on this one, John. Sheldon Rankins. Sheldon Rankin's here on a one-year deal also. He looked like Aaron Donald yesterday, John, wreaking havoc from the interior. Three sacks from Sheldon Rankin's. This comes on the heels of Malik Collins with a two-sack game a couple of games ago against Carolina. Um, So they are getting a nice push from the interior of this defensive line um, lately. And Sheldon Rankin's, and it wasn't just in the passing game. 98 was all over the field. They could not stop gushing about him on the broadcast yesterday. Um, so as we head into this, you know, the, this part of the schedule here where the Texans can the Texans can really establish themselves, John, here over these next three weeks with three very winnable games at home. A healthy Sheldon Rankins yesterday was gigantic in this win over the Cincinnati Bengals. He had five tackles. He knocked down Joe Burrow team out four times and looked like a former number one pick. These I bet a lot of former teams that let these guys go are wondering, what did we do? You know, what are they feeding them over there 
in Houston because Rangers coaching. are great. Coaching, John. That's what they're feeding them. They're feeding them coaching. Yeah. This is a coaching staff that actually develops guys. Last week, Next Generation Stats had him fourth uh, at beating his man among defensive tackles and our doll number one, of course. And I looked at Rankins. I go, wow. Uh, I didn't know he was doing that. He's only got one sack. Now, seeing is believing. Okay, my next one is going to be Noah Brown, another former Cowboy. Seven catches, 172 yards, six of them for at least 20 yards, four of them at least 25. It seemed like every time Stroud needed a clutch catch, Noah Brown was there to make it. And in his three games since he's come back from injured reserve, he has 16 catches, 382 yards, and I think that's about 24 yards a catch. Texans lead the NFL in explosive plays. I think they got like 29 of them. And uh, they have been tremendous throwing the ball down the field. He is a huge surprise. John, I'm going to give you, um, to me, I know he had seven catches, 172 yards, like you said. He's been amazing the last three games. Other than the 75-yard touchdown, which I thought, to me, was was one of the two or three biggest plays in the win over um, the Bucks last week because it kind of got the offense moving in the second half. The 10 or 12 yards that Noah Brown got on the last catch of the game to set up the game-winning field goal, that was the winning play. Like the, I, know the, I know technically the winning play was the field goal itself. For Noah Brown to break that tackle of those two Bengals right there and then go get 10 or 12 extra yards to make that, that the difference with that was Matt Amendola went from having to kick what would have been a career-long field goal of 50 or more yards. His career-long is 49 to kicking what is a much more comfortable 38-yard field goal. I, I don't know. We don't know how the world turns out if it is a 50-yard. Maybe he makes it from 50. I'm going to tell you right now, if it's the same kick that he kicks to win the game and it's from 50, that doesn't go in. That thing snuck inside the right upright. So I don't know I, I don't know that that field goal that Amendola kicked is good from 39. <laughs> you know, like it, it snuck inside that upright. Noah Brown breaking tackles and getting those last 12 yards after contact, I thought was that was a game-winning play for the Texans yesterday. One thing that we're getting from the Texans watching them is great clock management. And they were able to call a timeout on that last play and kick the field goal. But things they do, like they were running down the clock at one time in the first half because they didn't want Burr to get the ball back before they kicked the field goal. I think D'Amico and his staff, are doing a tremendous job. It's been a long time. Yep, even no doubt. O'Brien, even those division titles with O'Brien, he struggled almost every week. Yep. Let's give Matt Am- Amendola his flowers, John. As long as we're talking about it, I'll go stock up on Matt Amendola coming in, Good. kicking three, three for three on field goals, three for three on extra points, and a game winner on the road in what to me is a season-transforming game for the Texans. You know, they had lost that game. Even if they'd lost that game the way it was set up to lose with CJ making that massive mistake towards the end of the game, I still would feel great about the trajectory of this football team overall, obviously. I would just write it off as a young team, young quarterback makes mistake on the road against a team that, let's face it, a team in the Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow, who that that's what they do. They're really, really good in clutch situations, but they didn't. And they got the ball back, and CJ drove them down there. And Matt Amendola makes that kick with ice water in his veins. So Matt Amendola, he had some kickoffs through the end zone too and whatnot. Like he, I'm not going to say it looked exactly like it would have with Kaimi there, but but it was a, certainly a suitable facsimile of what you need to win football games in the kicking game in the NFL. 
We didn't even mention Stroud in our stock. I thought of that too just now when I mentioned him driving them down. Yeah, we didn't mention shows you shows you how great a Sunday it was. And now we're taking his big performances for granted, but they had too many players around him who contributed to this yeah. one. And it's interesting of their five victories, they're five and four, one game behind the Jaguars. The only team they they beat with a losing record is Tampa Bay. Tampa mm-hmm. Bay just beat Tennessee. I think Tampa's now what four and five. So they have had to, they've beaten some good teams. Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, New Orleans is now five and five, and then Tampa, and then now Cincinnati. And it's weird. The if the playoffs started today, the Texans would be in it, and the Bengals and the Bills would not. Yeah, we need the Broncos to take care of that business tonight against the Bills, John. We're Bronco fans tonight. Now, yeah, you know I don't that. put a lot of stock in that one. They're playing better. Come on now, John. We're Bronco fans. Just for one for one night, we I'm have not to whore ourselves out under any situation. We have to whore ourselves out for uh, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. If you take out the losses to the Texans, John, if you remove the Texans' losses from the records of the five teams they've beaten, so how have they played in games not against the Texans? 26-15 and 15 is the wow. record of those five teams in games that don't involve the Houston Texans. So that's... That's something else. All right, John, I know you, you've got, you, you're on a tight schedule here, so let's, let's rapid fire some stock downs. There's not a ton of stock down when you win a game like that, but let's, let's, let's drop a few here. Who's your first? Boy, that is a stretch, of course, and I'm going to say I hate to do it because the safeties, uh, Jalen Petrie didn't register, missed a couple of plays, including one in the backfield, but the safeties did give up some long touchdown passes, so I guess – the safeties overall. Petrie was on my list. He dropped an interception and he missed a, a tackle in the backfield on a blitz that would have been a, a real important play right there. And and both the long touchdowns, I'm I'm curious if Jalen was supposed to, on the first touchdown, I'm curious if Stingley was looking for help over the top and Jalen was definitely late getting over there if he was the help over the top. It was not Jalen Petrie's finest hour. He was, he was on my list too. Um, so yeah, safety play, I think it's a good one. Uh, mine would be just a specific one. The play call on third and three on the last series before the game-winning field goal series, um, the, just an awful play call. And I don't know by if that Bobby was Slowick. Yeah, yeah, right, by Bobby Slowick. Yeah, and I don't know, you know if that was the play Slowick wanted or if CJ checked into it and saw something he liked and, and decided to throw it deep to Dell. Just I don't care what you see Terrible there. That is, just a, that, that is just an ill-advised, low-percentage throw – it's one thing if it's third and three in the middle of the second quarter, John. You convert this third and three, the game's over. You end the game. You you who want those yards mean nothing when you're throwing it. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So that third and three call to me is a massive. I didn't have a problem with with the third and one or third and two where they put it in CJ's hands. He threw a pick. I hate that he threw a pick, but I don't I don't have an issue with them, even as well as they were running the football. I don't have an issue with them looking for four yards out of C.J. Stroud, throwing the ball, or maybe even running the ball. He'd run for a touchdown earlier in the game. I don't have a problem with them putting it in C.J.'s hands on th- third and three there, obviously. I have a big problem with them throwing it deep into double coverage to Tank Dell along the sidelines. where they, It's really a triple coverage because you got the sideline there as the third defender. We'll never know, but I'm guessing that that wasn't the call that Bobby Slowick would make. It had something to do with – Stroud thinking he could go deep. My next one is Stroud. He had three turnovers. One of them, a fumble in which his arm was going forward. I don't, still don't understand that. When Gene Steratore, the uh, former referee, was on 
on the they brought him on he didn't understand it the broadcasters didn't understand it but it was called on the field you don't see a football go flying forward for nine yards uh, in the air if it's a fumble and when every time he showed the replay i looked at it and i thought man oh man i'm i'm not i'm talking about the officials here on my next talk down i thought it was a terrible call and uh fortunately for the texans the defense did not allow points after that. And, uh, but I just, I don't, I can't understand New York upheld at what they were looking at. And I know they tried to explain it, but it was hogwash to me. Well, and, and it, well, you only get, you and I only each get two stock downs, John. So you had yours already, the safeties and CJ Stroud. Luckily, I am no, picking Stroud up the, was the officials, not Stroud. Oh, yours was the officials, not Stroud? Yeah. Well, you stole mine, John, because mine was going to be the officials, too. Then I'll do Stroud. He shouldn't have thrown an interception in that spot, and he should have fumbled <laughs> two times. I thought, But as long as we're talking about the officials, I thought the most egregious call to me was the Robert Woods touchdown that got called back. One, because CBS doesn't have an angle where they – how do you not have a camera on the end line where you can see whether or not Robert Woods stepped out of bounds? You're right. right. And, and I think, too, though, let's pretend let's pretend for a second that his heel grazed the line, which is all it did. If it, if it hit the line, it just grazed the line. I think you got to have a little bit of sense in that moment if you're an official. Like, what's the spirit of the rule of guys stepping out of bounds? It's so guys won't run out of bounds and use the goalposts as some sort of impediment or run out of bounds along the sidelines to get a better angle gunning down there on punt returns and things like that. It's not that that the heel of a player grazes two quarter of an inches of a blade of grass in the back of the end zone. And then to have that be the reason that a touchdown that is 12 steps away from where the initial transgression took place, took place in the entire other corner of the end zone. I either think it's a horrible interpretation of the rule by that official to let that be a reason why a touchdown gets nullified at the left-hand end, like to toss your hat there because the guy's heel grazes the line. I also think it's a terrible rule. I like the college rule where if you step out of bounds but you reestablish yourself, that you can touch the football again. In the NFL, the ball's got to be touched by somebody else, as we saw with Noah Brown a couple of weeks ago in, I believe, in the Carolina game, where he caught a ball, he was out of bounds, but somebody else touched. He reestablished himself, but somebody else had tipped it, so he was allowed to touch the football. I think it's a terrible rule. Robert Woods grazes the end line, and all of a sudden he's a null set in that play. is silly to me. That's so dumb. It is silly, but it's black and white. There's a great pass, a great catch by Wood. Too bad it's really bad. Yep, and the officials missed a few other things. They missed some headshots on C.J. Stroud that I would be sending to the NFL. And the receiver. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, they missed some stuff, man. That was a bad officiating crew.